4: Is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
3: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Tuesday, March 21st. I know everybody had four straight days and nights of college basketball just draining. Everybody was happy to finally break free. I mean, listen, you love it, and then you get a break, and then all of a sudden, the World Baseball Classic, you turn it on, and what a thriller on Monday night. Mexico, Japan. Unbelievable game. Great finish. Japan with the walk-off. Just, I mean, I'm sure you guys were on social media and saw the call by the Japanese announcers just freaking out. Uh, It's a semifinal victory, and they were treating it like it was the greatest victory in the history of the sport. you love it. And now tonight, Japan-USA in the finals should be a good one on FS1. Um, We have a great podcast today. One of my favorite guys to bump into in the halls of Fox Sports, Casey Jacobson, legend at Stanford, total bucket getter, awesome story, McDonald's All-American, goes to Stanford. I believe in the first month he was playing college basketball, he gave Duke 25 at the Garden. I think it was Duke, might have been UNC, I'll have to look it up. But it was just an incredible performance, it was like, Casey Jacobson can go! And then he ends up in the league, and he uh, he plays in the NBA, and now he's an announcer, and I'm not going to lie. I have tried to recruit him to my men's league team. Yes, that is the truth. I told him after, uh, you know, this fella gave us 47 and, and we lost a couple weeks back. I said, Casey, you know, next season we might need you. My guy, Matt Leiner, by the way, has reached out, said, J-Mac, I need to get in on the action. Um, we are leveling up constantly around here. Uh, just yeah, just got to put that out there. Uh, Shady McCoy uh, at FS1 has sworn he could play and dunk. He's like, I will dunk on people. But he's like, where's the games? Oh, uh, Torrance? Man, that's a hype from where I'm at. You know, Shady McCoy, uh, young guy. I still think he's young. He's in his early 30s, and he's like, you know, going out and living the the dream, as the young people say out here in L.A. But a great podcast with Casey Jacobs and Talking College Hoops. Purdue fans, sit tight. It's a tough one about Matt Painter, but uh, Casey Jacobson has some good insight. He's even got two teams that will open number one and number two next season. Two teams you could not guess right now if I gave you five choices. But before that, just a couple news items we'll get to before Casey Jacobson. Number one, obviously World Baseball Classic was great. Uh, I was flipping between some NBA and World Baseball Classic. And, oh, by the way, so my son got into chess, you know, during the pandemic we would play. And obviously, listen, I played a lot of chess growing up, so I would crush him. And I would like let him hang around, and then I would beat him. He's been playing a lot on the DL. He's been playing with some of his buddies at school. He plays on chess.com. And all of a sudden, he starts telling me that, like, listen, I'm beating people. I'm good. Let's play. Let's play. And I was like, listen, I'm watching NCAA tournament. I can't play you in chess, Bryce. I can't. He just turned 12. He's all excited. And so I'm like, all right, let's play. So we play on Monday. And I was like, okay, um... You gotten a little better, and I was kind of asleep at the wheel. We were watching, catching up on Bel Air, and he beats me. I'm like, all right, we need a rematch. We play again, and he does this move, and he's like telling me what the move is called, and I'm like, okay, that that's nice. I don't know what that is. And next thing I know, he's got like four of my pieces with after like six moves, and he beats me a second time. And at that point, I said, okay. I need to pause the TV. I got to strap in. My, my guy is getting good at chess. And then I, I checkmated him. But uh, it was to the point where afterward I started Googling like chess tournaments in the L.A. area. And uh, my wife found some stuff online. Like, listen, I, he got good at, at it pretty quickly. And he's, he's one of the – he's kind of like me. When he gets something, he's like a dog on a bone. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. And he is just digging into chess playing all the time. And uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's fun playing my son in chess when he knows what he's doing. Now, um, we'll see how far this goes. Again, I I was never a chess expert. I like to play a lot. Uh, Far from an expert. I like to talk a good game. I think I'm better at ping pong than I am chess, but I like chess. Thinking man's game. Ping pong is just sheer skill. And uh, I'm lobbying, by the way, to get a ping pong table on the herd set. I'm getting some pushback, as you would expect, but I'm I'm pushing for. I'll I'll keep you posted on what happens. At any rate, I'll get to Cam Newton in a sec. NBA, it's you know you you don't pay attention to the NBA four days because the NCAA tournament actually was like six days because the lead in the brackets, the Calcutta, the uh, everything. All of a sudden, there's like ten games left in the NBA regular season. Uh, My buddy texts me, regular listener of the podcast. He's like, Hey, can you go to the Lakers game with me uh, Wednesday night? I was like, I don't know who are they playing. He's like, sons. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, I don't think I can make it. It's my son. You know, we got the uh, semifinals and the championship this weekend in, um, in his local basketball league. So, you know, Wednesday's our, our final practice. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm a TBD. Maybe it rains. We'll see. And then I'm like, oh, you, let me see what's going on in the NBA. And all of a sudden, like, the Lakers fans were so excited a few days ago. And then after the results of Monday night, you wake up on Tuesday morning, Lakers fans, you are officially out of the playoffs. You are now the 11th seed because the Utah Jazz beat the Kings. They were destroying the Kings by like 40. Kings came back, took the lead, then the Jazz pulled away. And you look at the box score, you're like, who are these guys playing for the Jazz? And then it's Ochai Agbaji. Remember the kid who was in Kansas last year in the Final Four, hitting a bunch of threes? Yeah, he's starting for the Utah Jazz at 27 points crazy. You look at the lineup, you're like, are these guys tanking? How are they? How on earth are they competing with the Lakers? Um, it was a bit of a wild night, so Julius Randle 57 for the Knicks. And they lose at home to Minnesota. And Minnesota doesn't have Anthony Edwards, no Carl Anthony Towns, and they lose with Randall having 57? And they played no defense whatsoever. Minnesota sought like 60% from the field. Some insane numbers. But this is March NBA for you. Nobody's trying. This is my favorite thing. Oh, I got a bunch of texts about this. You've got to see this Kyrie Irving bucket. I'm like, oh, maybe he dunked on someone. And it's like a pretty ridiculous lay-in. And he's got all the um, the jelly, you know, he like with the English off the glass. It looks cool. I, I look at the score later, and um, they lose to the Grizzlies. Kyrie Irving, are you ready for this? Point guard Kyrie Irving. 28 points, zero assists. <laughs> like, what? What kind of game? What is he doing? 28 points. No assists for Kyrie Irving. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, The Warriors, for the seven of you that care, won their first road game in two months. It's funny. I looked at this line, not that I'm betting on NBA, but I was like on a betting high from the weekend. Hey, I was winning three out of four days uh, betting on the tournament. And I thought that the Warriors were favored by like 11 and 11 and a half. And they had not won a road game in two months. And I'm like, well, I know the Rockets are like tanking, but this is this is ridiculous 11 and a half I didn't touch it and they win by 13. and I was like damn Vegas that's uh that's pretty impressive and listen I know it's the Houston Rockets and they want to make sure they're in the Wembenyama sweepstakes but nevertheless 11 is a lot to lay on the road for a team that's that one on the road in two months at any rate Lakers Suns Wednesday is now a big big game all right and finally let's quickly get to Cam Newton who announces that he's going to be throwing at Auburn's Pro day. Yes, that's 33 year old Cam Newton who turns 34 in May, who did not play in the NFL last season. Repeat, Cam Newton wants to get back in the NFL, did not throw in the NFL last season, didn't play, wasn't, I don't think he was on a roster. And he said, There aren't 32 MFers better than me in the NFL. And of course, you know, the reaction is, well, of course, of course, he's Cam Newton. He won an MVP and Let me check the calendar here. 2015? Was TikTok even around in 2015? I mean, let's be serious. A 2015 MVP in the NFL. Wonderful. Well, Matt Ryan was the MVP more recently than that. He ain't even on a roster. And all these people are like, well, do you think Cam could get a spot in the NFL? What do you mean? Do I think? He's 34 in May. So he will be 34 and a half when the season starts. What is he going to do? Hold a clipboard? He's going to be the backup quarterback. If you're talking about him as like a gold line specialist, maybe somebody could get creative there. He did have 12 rushing touchdowns with Belichick and the Patriots in the COVID year. But he turns 34 in May. You guys can't be serious. Between injuries, bouncing around. He was Carolina, New England, and back in Carolina. In the last four years, and one of them he didn't even play. He has 12 touchdown passes. And in the immortal words of Jerry Seinfeld, and you want to be my latex salesman? Like, seriously? Cam Newton's going to start? No way. I mean, if your goal is to tank for Caleb Williams and you want to maybe sell some tickets, sell some merch, sell some jerseys, okay, maybe you've got something. But you're definitely not trying to win if you bring on Cam Newton as your starting quarterback. I mean, hell, I don't even know that, like, who's he? is he beating out Desmond Ritter? And you guys can scoff and be like, oh, Desmond Ritter, give me a break. Desmond Ritter is like a young kid who was in the system last year, and is like a capable thrower of the quarterback uh, of the football. Desmond Ritter could be a quarterback in the NFL. Is he a starter next year for like a winning team? I don't know. Atlanta won seven games last year. They started Mariota, who, who's bounced from the team. They were they were able to win seven. Like, where is there an opening for Cam? If if the thought is, hey, we'll make him our goal line specialist. I just—I don't know if rosters even keep a third quarterback most weeks because, you know, you need the special teams guys, defense, offensive line, like, the premium positions. You don't you can't have Cam Newton active, and then maybe he's he gets in and a will play on the goal line. Is he going to move to tight end? Like, I just don't see the value. Like, at Arizona Cardinals team, I don't know what they're doing at quarterback. Kyler Murray definitely would not be around early. Like— La Rams do you have cam as the backup for for Stafford I mean Baker's gone I don't know I just I can't find a team and I can't find a situation where he is the backup quarterback and takes that as like hey I'm gonna be the backup and then you know he's sitting for seven weeks not playing at all I just I don't see that Cam Newton's made a lot of money I'm sure he's got a lot of opportunities post football. And I just, I don't see him cracking back in the NFL. So, I, you know, good luck at the pro day. Show show everybody what you what you are capable of throwing against air. And Cam Newton will always be a legend in my mind. The dab, I give full credit to that, to Cam Newton. That was like a thing big time for a couple of years. I mean, even it was in a bunch of rap songs. I'll never forget him courtside dabbing players. It was cool. It was very fun. It was a cultural moment, and I'm happy for Cam Newton, but... The NFL ship is sail, buddy. All right, without further ado, let's get to our guest, the legendary Stanford sniper, Casey Jacobson.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
1: You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive.
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You know a
4: guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
3: I know what sports fans want.
4: But for everything he doesn't. He knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
3: All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire, a Fox Sports College basketball analyst. He was a legend at Stanford. I think he's been on the podcast every March Madness, so we got to bring him back. Playing the NBA, Casey Jacobson. What is up, my man?
5: Jay Mack, it's really good to be with you. A lot is up. If you're watching the (laughs) tournament, man, none of this stuff makes sense. You know, one of the hardest things to be – uh, is is a college basketball expert or analyst, man. I, I
1: know a lot about
5: these teams, J-Mac, but I have no idea how this is all going to play out, man. It seems like it's totally random at times, uh, but fun nonetheless.
3: Yeah, I've seen some of the ratings have been massive. I mean, listen, upsets help. You know, when Purdue's losing to FDU, uh, historic stuff, people are tuning in. When Princeton's shocking Arizona, you know, the interest is up. Obviously, brackets are torched. Uh, I am in your buddy Josh Willis's, um uh, group for uh, a bracket challenge. Are you in that one by any chance? I am not,
5: no. Okay.
3: I just so happen to be leading it. That's why I brought it up. Um, yeah you know I flex was, I to start the <laughs> <laughs> um so, well, in so Casey, who you have start in your
4: final uh
3: I don't have it in front of me I'll call it up in a moment but uh I think I might have Texas in that one um okay. and Texas Houston assuming Texas gets by a, a pretty damn good Xavier Xavier team um yeah. I think that's gonna be a great matchup. I do want to start here the parody seems to be as good as it's ever been um I saw that 11 different conferences are represented some some insane number like that. I think that might be the, a record. Um, what's jumped out to you as like the big takeaway
5: from uh, opening weekend? Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. And by the way, J-Mac, that is a record. 11 different conferences in a, wow. in a Sweet 16 is a record. Uh, also a record before this tournament started, um, over 220 times a ranked team. So a team ranked in the AP Top 25 lost. Um, that is a record since the AP started keeping track of this. I think in like the 1950s or something like that. Wow. Um. So that that narrative of there is more parity, there is no clearly dominant team, is out there. Um. I would push back a little bit on it. Um. You know, I think Alabama is is clearly, I think, established themselves on the mm. floor as the most balanced team and the most dangerous team now they have vulnerabilities and we can get into that if you want and then I would put Houston second on that list despite their injury whether or not Marcus Sasser is healthy Jamal shed their point guard also dealing with a knee issue you know uh, their health is is a is a problem but those two guys both played J-Mac in the round of 32 they both played and they both played pretty well Um, I I think that that region is Houston's to win or lose but does it surprise me that Purdue and Kansas both lost? No. In fact, in, in my personal bracket, I had both of those number one Cs losing in the second round. I didn't predict it to happen to Purdue in the first round. Couldn't see that coming. But I, I did see some vulnerabilities there for whatever reason. And other teams, uh, the last thing I'll say about it, um, Jason, is this. These teams, fairly Dickinson and Princeton, whatever, College basketball is older at the mid-major level oh. and has been older for the last two years, as old as it's ever been. And when you get that old, you are less likely to, you know, succumb to, um, you know, uh, bad shots or or weird mistakes that, that younger teams have at the end of games. And, and I think we're seeing that unfold.
3: Yeah, Virginia fans wishes wish Kehe Clark uh, had been uh, thinking like a veteran on his yeah. grenade against Furman. T- terrible mistake. Um, who do you think is more susceptible, Houston or Alabama? I-, I I don't think Alabama's in that much trouble against SDSU, but you've seen a lot of Creighton, and I think they match up really well with Bama. Kaluma mi- on Miller. You got the seven footer against uh, Betty, Yank- uh, Betty Yanko. I hope I said his name right. And then the guard Hediato. matchups like. Yep. Betty Yako, thanks. The, the, the Creighton guards have played a tremendous. I thought they were better than the Baylor guards. Is Creighton a major problem? I think they're like plus three, uh, maybe like plus 185 to win their win that region.
5: Man, loved, I've loved Creighton since the start. You know, you remember, Jim, they were ranked in top 10 in the preseason yeah. for a reason, right? Um, because last year they lost to the national champions, Kansas, in the second round. Um, and they looked every bit as an up-and-comer. And they brought back the entire starting yeah. five from a season ago. Um, Creighton has all the pieces. I would say the one thing that, that maybe you could say where they're shaky uh, compared to an Alabama, Creighton is one of the least deep or let's call them the most shallow team that is still in the NCAA tournament. They rely so heavily on their starting five of Baylor Shireman and Ryan Colkbrenner, Trey Alexander, uh, Ryan Nemhard. And uh, they they bring uh, Francisco Farabello off the bench, uh, Mason yeah. Miller, who's, who's uh, injured. But they don't really ask those guys to do a lot. And Greg McDermott, their head coach, gives them kind of a short leash. If they're not producing or they're not playing well right away, he's going to pull them out and, and ride those five. And Alabama, I think, can wear you down. I mean, they bring in uh, Javon Quinterly off the bench, one of the better and older point guards in the tournament still left. They, they have him coming off the bench for them. That That's kind of where, where – Those two teams stack up. The thing with Alabama is what's impressed me, um, Jason, is they are, uh, they shoot a lot of threes. That's Nate Oates, their head coach. His style is kind of like a Villanova style. Let's shoot the threes as much as we can in transition, in half court. We want to shoot it up. And, but even when they have struggled, and they, of course, any team in the country is going to struggle and have those bad nights every now and then, they are still able to win games with a top five defense in the country. That's what separates. Alabama from Houston and everybody else and from Creighton um, is they can really push through an off shooting night uh, with athleticism and defense that's on a string and offensive rebounds and all that stuff. That's why I, I'm I'm really bullish on Alabama after watching them. Um, and, you know, Brandon Miller didn't even play well in his first game. He went oh. scoreless in the first round and they didn't even seem to miss him. They still put up 90 plus points.
3: Yeah, I don't want to uh, go too deep on the Big East here. I uh, Three teams in the Sweet 16, uh, Xavier and UConn, which looks really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just so disappointed in Marquette. I, I, I don't know how close you watched that game. Colette got in early foul trouble and was a total non-factor. Um, did you watch much of that? Because I, I, I really
5: didn't think Sparty would be able to pull that off, and they played tremendous. I watched the whole game. Jason, I'm a, I'm a total basketball junkie. Um, I, I can't watch every single second of every single game, but when, when it comes to big East teams, I'm all in, right? I, I cover it yeah. for FS1 and those aren't a game. That's not a game I'm going to miss. Um, I was really fascinated to see how Marquette would deal with the pressure of being a top 10 team in the country um, and, and coming in. Like, I don't know if I, if we talked about this before, but not a single player in a Marquette uniform had ever won a postseason game going into the Big East tournament um, last week in in New York City. Now they won the Big East tournament, so that was great. But none of them had ever won a NCAA tournament game. And so this is a different stage. You can't deny that. It comes with a different kind of pressure. And what I noticed about the Marquette game Um, was Tyler Kolek. I thought he uh, looked a little bit tentative. Um, Now, I've seen him perform in the first half and kind of be a non-factor, whether it be from foul trouble or he has a tendency of being a guy that's I'm going to create and pass in the first half. I'm going to set everyone else up, make sure they're all good. They're all, their bellies are nice and full. And then in the second half, I can now be the one to be a little bit more aggressive with my shot. I've seen him. I've seen that pattern from him throughout this season, and he's done it really well. He could never get in a rhythm uh, the other night. And then in the end, he kind of looked like he was not only a non-factor, he looked a little bit overwhelmed by the moment and, and wasn't even close to his normal self. It happens. It happened to Arizona against Princeton as well. A lot of guys on the Arizona Wildcats we're playing hot potato at the end of uh, in the last four <laughs> minutes of the game, Jay Mack. They were yeah. like, "No, you take it. I don't want it. Somebody else shoot it." Um, and uh, that was sad to see because Marquette. Look, man, Marquette's been a, a solid team. And the last thing I'll say about this, I, I I understand that Shaka Smart has lost eight of his last nine tournament games, and the one that he won was the first round game this year. Like, I understand it. That that that's a big I didn't number. Know it was
3: that bad? Holy cow!
5: Yeah. Yeah, so I, I get it that that's a large sample size. Like you, we we have to a- ask some questions about what what's going on there. However, mm-hmm. let me just say about this Marquette team—they were unranked to start the preseason. They were selected ninth by the coaches, not by us or you, uh, but by the Big East yes. coaches to finish ninth in the Big East this season. What Shaka Smart did was truly remarkable. They achieved—they they, they shot above um, their level. And so because of that they got a two seed because of that expectations ramped up and they lost in the second round which happens to a lot of good teams in the tournament it happens but because of the expectations changed now we expect now it's a huge deal if you would have asked Shaka Smart and Marquette fans before the season started hey you guys are going to get uh, uh make the tournament you're going to get win at least one game would you have taken it they probably would have said yes Heck yeah uh, I'm just
3: looking I didn't even realize this they did not have a senior in the starting lineup. Cam Jones is a sophomore,
5: Cole, like a junior. They and don't they have, they do a have a senior good... on their entire roster, J-Mac. Wow. They are going to be either the number one or the number two ranked preseason team in the country next year.
3: Damn. I, you know, I wish I had noticed that that's a great nugget. No, no, ex, no experience in March. And it showed against, as soon as they fell down early against Michigan State, it was like, oof, lights out. Uh, the Wrapping up the Big East, UConn. Um, I, I thought St. Mary's would have a chance. They had that mysterious injury. The guy went down with the back injury. And yeah. I feel like that kind of flipped the game, and then Hawkins went, went bonkers late. Um, where are you on UConn, which the question for them is guard play. And I don't know. I, everybody seems to like them against Arkansas, but those Arkansas guards have a big advantage in this one. I don't know, man.
5: Yeah, I, it's one of my favorite. Um, there's a lot of really good Sweet 16 matchups, but yeah. this this UConn-Arkansas one is right up there. Uh, to me, the number one is UCLA-Gonzaga. For me, I'm, like a, I'm yes, a West yes, Coast guy. Yes. I can't wait to watch Obviously. that matchup. But probably number two on my list is – the Arkansas Yukon uh game. I like UConn a lot. Look, th- this is nothing like a four seed. This is the best four seed in an NCAA tournament that I can remember in a really long time. And mm-hmm. I've been I've been working nine years with Fox and like they're they're a top five team in the country. Yet they got a four seed because they took on some some losses in January in the Big East yeah. Conference. But this team is healthy. They play inside out. Um yeah, and so your point as well taken, Jay Mack. Like I am concerned about the backcourt. Um, I had sim. I have similar questions about UConn's backcourt as I did about Arizona's backcourt with Kirk Rea and Courtney Ramey, kind of like that when they go up against these really big teams that can take them away and, and force the guards to be the decision makers. Yeah, can Tristan Newton do it? Can uh, is Jordan Hawkins going to have a good shooting night? Joey Calcaterra, they bring him off the bench, and when he's going, it's it's pretty cool. But when he's not. Uh, they attack him on defense and and whatnot, but I, I UConn is so good defensively, and Andre Jackson Jr. is as good athletically as a, a role player as you'll find. They check a lot of boxes, but look, man, a one-game scenario—it's uh, like absolutely can Arkansas um, and and, and Devo Davis is one of my favorite guards in the country. Oh, uh, can love he love the game. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see.
3: Um so uh, on on this uh, West Coast thing where are you on UCLA Gonzaga cuz the, the UCLA big guy um I'll let you say his name uh, again, uh, the guy with the mask yeah mm-hmm. bona um I, I, I he played like 20 minutes did not look 100% and now a brutal matchup against Drew Timmy who's like the quintessential college basketball player um i i just feel like that's a big edge for
5: Gonzaga man you are right on it. And I'll I'll go even deeper, J-Mac, on it. Um, a Dembona is really important to what uh, UCLA does. However, what his strength is his athleticism, his high motor. He plays super hard. He's really long and active. Watch him guard pick and rolls like he's up showing his body, his chest to the to the ball handler. And then he recovers really quickly in a way that you don't see a lot of big guys do. But uh, what is the Bono's weakness on defense? He is undisciplined, and I would yeah. I would categorize him as wild. And what oh. can't you do when you're guarding Drew Timmy is be undisciplined and wild because he th- this guy's Kevin McHale, man. He's the Kevin McHale of college basketball. His footwork is just perfect. His patience is amazing. I mean, if you watched Drew Timmy operate against TCU, who's a pretty dang good and physical and strong. A defensive team they had no answers for him you no. cannot guard drew timmy one-on-one so to your point for for ucla can they hold drew timmy to about 20 to me if if drew timmy scores 20-ish like 20 18 points ucla is going to win if he scores 28 30 points mm. ucla is in big big trouble um but like to me ucla is a it, they are a better team i understand that jalen clark is not in the lineup i i, I get it they're still a better overall team. And I love what Amari Bailey has been bringing oh, yeah. to the table. The freshman from from Sierra Canyon has taken over that role that Johnny Juzang and Jules Bernard kind yes. of vacated last year's team, that score. And did you notice, J-Mac, that, that Amari Bailey's had six assists in both of the tournament games? Oh. He's not just a scorer. He's also a creator. He is he has grown leaps and bounds since when I first saw him in November and December. Yeah, he was tentative.
3: I mean, I would look at the box score because I remember he was playing with LeBron's son. And I would see the box score at UCLA and he's like barely doing anything. I was like, what's going on? But I guess, you
5: know, he's got to defer to the older guys. Let me quickly ask you, have you heard anything about the singleton injury? Is it an ankle? It is an ankle and he said after the game, he was walking around in the locker room post game and he said, he's going to be fine. They have oh. four days to prepare, So he will be playing. Yes.
3: Okay. Cause that's big. Cause they talk about no depth. Yep. Uh, the big <laughs> kid, Nawaba. I mean, he, he, if, if, if uh, Bona is wild, I don't, I don't know what Nawaba is. He's just a foul machine out there every two minutes. Uh, I just do wonder how do they match up with Hawkes? Like who on Gonzaga can take him? Cause their wings are good, but they, they don't seem like they play a lot of defense.
5: I mean, nobody on the team does. Yeah, it is one of their weaknesses. Yeah, Julius Strother, um, Strother. It has the size, uh, either him or Anton Watson, um, but neither one. I, I think Watson's a better defensive player than Strother. Strother is one of their better scorers. He averages like 18 points a game for the Zags. Um, they have the height Um, but again, do they have the discipline and the defensive chops to be able to do that for 40 minutes? Um, Mm -hmm. no one's been able to slow down Jaime Hawkins Jr. Um, he affects the game in so many ways. One of my favorite college basketball players over the last two years, I would say, um, a guy that like, I would love to be Hawkins' teammate. Sometimes I wish he would shoot more and be a little bit more, um, selfish, but he's just an awesome winning player. Um, and that's a perfect uh, word me, winning player. Yeah. yeah. He's a winning player and he's the heart and soul. I mean, people want to say Tiger Campbell is the heart and soul because he's the point guard, but Honey Hawk is. Jr. is the heart and soul of of UCLA. And you remember last year when UCLA lost to North Carolina in the Sweet 16, and oh, Jaime Hawkins, his ankle was shot. He he was like, mm. I think it was one for 10 from the field or something. He was hobbling around. They win that game last year. They eliminate the Tar Heels from the tournament if Jaime Hawkins Jr. is healthy. He is now healthy. I'm picking the Bruins in this one.
3: That was the game Caleb Love went bonkers late. That, that one hurt. I had money on uh, UCLA. I had them in my brackets. Um, I don't. I've. I know UCLA's favored by a little bit, but it just feels like, I mean, Casey, this is an offensive sport at this point, basketball, mm-hmm. and it seems like everybody's taking the defensive minded Bruins, but we know often, better
5: offense wins, right? Yeah, well, I'm always of the opinion that you got to have some balance. Don't give me a team yeah. that can only play defense or a team that can only play offense. That's why Iowa gets bounced in the first or second round every year. They're a top 10 offense, but they can't play D. And that's why some teams, you know, like like Tennessee's in the Sweet 16 this year, but Like Rick Barnes has had some trouble getting Tennessee out of the first couple rounds because they're always really good defensively. They can't put the ball in the basket. So I I want balance, and that's why I like Alabama. That's why I like Houston, and that's why I like UCLA. All three of those teams are Mm. the most balanced teams left in the field.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to go off the board real quick. Um,
3: so I got a couple of buddies out here who went to Purdue, and they are just over Matt Painter. And I need, uh, again, he's been there for like 15 years. And they've had some really good seeds. They've had some brutal postseason losses, and it's not necessarily just losing a tournament game. But the biggest complaint that I've heard is he's unyielding when he needs to change. He refuses to come out of man-to-man uh, with the seven-foot-four kid Edie and play zone when all they were doing, FDU, putting him in action and and just abusing him. And I guess offensively down the stretch, some of the numbers. I mean, Casey, it was brutal. They they only were jacking threes. Now they were not terrible shots, but they're missing all of them. And you've got the tallest player in college basketball against the shortest team. I I don't, I don't know. I, I don't expect you to kill Painter here, but a- any thoughts on just you know wh- wh- how how he should deal with this going forward? And um, maybe he does need to change. Maybe Purdue needs a new. Co- I don't know.
5: Hey, I'm a, I'm of the opinion that we're all unfinished products. J Mac, you, you are still learning and growing as a broadcaster. Oh, okay. <laughs> Most of these coaches should be taking the um the stance where I'm an unfinished product. what I, what I do can be tweaked. It can be adjusted for the better. If what I'm doing worked five years ago, but it's not working now, why is that? And let's change. my one of my favorite coaches ever, Jay Wright. you know, mm. what Villanova, what you saw Villanova do in the last, let's say eight years under Jay Wright was not what they were doing the first five years that he coached at Villanova. He changed his philosophy based on analytics and based on studying the game and saying, you know what, the, the, the players that I bring in, the caliber of players I bring in, they're not five stars. Jay Wright didn't have a lot of five stars. In fact, Jalen Brunson was the only McDonald's all American he had during that like, stretch of run mm-hmm. um, with, with the caliber of athlete that I have, what is uh, the best way to play and win titles in the big East and in the NCAA tournament? And he thought it was, All right, what we're going to do is we're going to go smaller. Maybe we'll have a shot blocker, but we're mostly going to go smaller. We're going to play one-on-one basketball. We're going to shoot a ton of threes. We're going to keep our turnovers low. We're going to get to the foul line. That's our formula. And they did it, and they replicated it. So he changed. He adjusted. So going back to Matt Painter, first of all, J-Mac, that that game was brutal to watch. Um, (laughs) They were – uh, so scared. The the backcourt of Purdue were so scared mm-hmm. to, to make any plays. They couldn't get... You're telling me you can't get the ball to the 7-4 guy? Just throw a lollipop pass. I don't care how it looks. Get Zach Eady touches. That is half on Matt Painter. It's half on the players that were on the floor. I don't care what your coach is telling you, what kind of plays they're drawing up. You got to get your big man some touches. Even if he gets double or triple teamed, we got to get him some touches. So that was... Flat out embarrassing what I saw for him to not get a shot attempt in over nine minutes, the last nine and a half minutes of that game was embarrassing. And it's on everybody, not just Matt Painter, but I guess he's the, the coach and the leader of this program. Yeah. But but J can I also say similar to Shaka Smart, this Purdue team shouldn't have been any good to start this year? <laughs> they not That's have right. been a top 25 team. They should not even have been in the running for Big Ten. Mm-hmm conference regular season championship or tournament like it's ridiculous that zach edie surrounded by just jags just another guy <laughs> got this far and so yeah it's what i'll say is it's the same thing i feel with shaka smart what what matt painter did with this purdue team and built them up is the same thing that shaka smart did with a young marquette team that wasn't expected to do anything you you build them up and then they come to the tournament and you're asking them to change now? Like they want a mm. bunch of games playing a certain way, and now all these fans want them to change now. It just seems um, mm. unlikely. These fans that are asking for Matt Painter to change mid-game, uh, yeah, like uh, weren't those the same fans that were cheering them on as they won the Big Ten re- regular season and and tournament championship? Do you, you know what I'm saying? So they there a great is call. The truth. There's some truth to what they're saying, but there's also, look, man, th- this Purdue team shouldn't even have been a number one seed. I don't even, it's a miracle that they that they were a number one seed to begin with.
3: I know it's hindsight, but damn, I just, uh, again, you put it out with Marquette, Purdue's starting lineup, backcourt, freshman, freshman, wing, uh, junior, Gillis, junior, Edie, junior. No seniors in the starting lineup, and then looks like one guy off the bench is a senior. Now, maybe they announced that in the telecast. I'm, like, watching at a bar or, you know, with friends or whatever, so I wasn't listening. But that's staggering to me. So I think your point is spot on. I think Fran Fraschilla mentioned this on the pod last week, that this is, you know, the tournament for 22- and 23-year-olds. A lot of yep. old dudes, a lot of old heads are really crushing. Um I do before you get out of here, I have to ask because I just love this stuff. I hope uh, it's not too um, prying too much, but I love the recruiting story. So obviously I've done my homework on you. I know you, you work with me and everything. But like when you were, you know, torching it in high school and dominating, um, how how many schools out west, like did the entire PAC ten at the time come after you? because um, I know your brothers had gone to college, I'm assuming. You yeah. had maybe visited them, and there was a, a lure to go there. But uh, you know, you had the, you were great, great point average, and everything. Was Stanford like
5: a no 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 brainer for you? Um, it wasn't a no brainer because you know you remember Stanford wasn't really that good until Brevin Knight oh. got him to a Sweet Sixteen. I think it was nineteen ninety six. Like Stanford was, wasn't on Matt my Dogg, radar. Matt Dog Matson, maybe. Well, I I was teammates with Matt Dog, so we're, we're in the Madden, same era. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was Brevin Knight that, was, I to me, is the most important player in Stanford basketball history. He kind of showed wow. what was possible, got them to a Sweet 16. And then you thought, OK, they're not just a bunch of nerds that actually can play ball and compete. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Arthur Lee, Mark Madsen, Peter Sauer, those guys kind of came in and, and, and changed everything. It's the reason why I went there. But to answer your question, I was recruited by everybody except one school in, in, uh, amongst all the top. And that was North Carolina. For whatever reason, North mm-hmm. Carolina never reached out, never sent me a letter. Nothing like not, not a single word. Yeah. So I, I don't know why that is. Um, but wow yeah, n- just nothing uh, at yeah. all. Nothing like that. Well, my, my dad was like, dude, do you know that every team in the top 25 in the country has sent you a letter except one? I was like, really? No, he's like, wow. North Carolina, they never either they have somebody in your position or they hate your guts, one of the two. So, was, I was do, like, All do right, you recall?
3: Fine. I don't remember who they had in like 90. Well, so, what were you,
5: 99 so, 98? Joe Forte was their shooting guard, a really good player, actually. So, we I, I played against North Carolina my my uh, freshman year in the NCAA tournament, and they beat us so. Uh, probably, wow. probably, you know, probably better that they signed Joe Forte instead oh, of me. That, geez, was, Forte.
3: that was Joe. Only... That guy left college. I think he left school early. He was drafted by the Celtics in the lottery. And then I never heard from him again. I don't really?
5: know. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's uh this is breaking news, J-Mac, but it's really hard to, to make it in it, the NBA, man. What it's do you get very, very around?
3: difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, what, one other thing, go to back to Zach Eadie. So let's say yeah. Zach Eadie, you know, here's his podcast. This man, Casey, you said some smart stuff. Hey, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Go to the NBA or come back to Purdue. What do you think?
5: What, what advice would you give him? So, well, I mean, every guy is different. Um, and I don't know what his motivations are, uh, mm-hmm. right? So if he wants to move on and and get paid, um, you know, he can go to the NBA. I do think, by the way, I do think Zach Eady will have a place in the NBA. I do think he's an NBA player. Not an NBA starter, but I actually think that – a lot of teams could use uh somebody who's really smart, uh really big, um, and just an awesome locker room guy as well. Like I, yeah. I think Zach could be a really nice solid bench player and would be worthy of a uh bottom of a first round pick. I would totally take a take a chance on him. I absolutely would do that. But with uh name, image, and likeness now, um J Mac, it's such a different decision. Drew Timmy made over a million dollars this year from everything Is that, that I've understood. For real? Yeah. Um, wow. He made over a million dollars playing uh, at, at Gonzaga. Oscar Shibway, really close to it. I think it was a close to like $700,000 Oscar Shibway made this year playing for Kentucky. I mean, these are the top of the sport. Like the the first-team All-Americans, the faces mm-hmm. of their respective programs. Zach Eady is, is on on that level. And I don't know if, if if that kind of money is available to him, but it's been available the last year to some of the biggest faces in the sport. Mm-hmm. So Zach Eady has a real real – choice to make there if he wants to run this back and and see if they can improve on on the disappointment of this season and make some coin while he's at purdue i think it'd be a cool uh it's a good spot for him to be in you yeah. mentioned none of his other guys are are seniors that purdue is going to be awesome if if Zach E comes back it'll be marquette and purdue probably one and two which is interesting because <laughs> the two teams that like we're, we're we're talking right now is the most disappointing
3: yeah. Arizona is going to lose the big guy to the pros. Uh, last question. Uh, Marquise, I think Marquise Noel, uh, Kansas state point guard. Is he your favorite or second favorite player left in the tournament?
5: You no, know, It's so funny. Like I've been no. talking about Marquise Noel. Yeah. All season long on FS1. You can roll the tape. Kansas state and Jerome Tang, their head coach. I think, I think it's a perfect marriage. J-Mac Jerome Tang is it's his first coaching job. He's so free and loose with his guys. He has made an instant connection with Marquise Noel, his point guard, and said, "Man, the the team is yours. When you're on the floor, you can take a bad shot. I'm still going to wrap my arms around you. You can throw behind-the-back passes. I'm all good with it. Be who you are. I'm not going to try and mm-hmm. rein you in." And it's been truly remarkable to see one of the smallest players in the country. Marquise is five foot eight inches tall. I don't know how tall you are, Jay Mack. I think you're a little bit taller than that. I but tower not over him. Yeah, fun. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we root for underdogs we root for little guys and when yeah. little guys are the most impactful player on the floor and they have a flair and a salsa about their game then I can't take my eyes off them and then you <laughs> pair him with Keontae Johnson one of the more athletic man in, in the game and you got a team that not only is good but they play with a passion a joy a love that other teams simply don't I'm rooting for him.
3: Yeah, Keontae Johnson, uh, uh, he's going to turn 24 here in two months. Like, that's how—he's a grown man. You know, these guys are a lot older. And by the way, uh, Noel, you were spot on. Definitely right about him. I do think there is a place in the league for him. Even if it's the end of the bench, the the small guard—he tries so hard. Tenacious. i was seeing him grabbing rebounds against the Kentucky Bigs, man. That guy's awesome. He is so fun to watch.
5: Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I hope that he'll get a chance for, for certain. certain uh, – if he doesn't get drafted, he'll get a chance for certain in summer league. And, you know, where we've seen like guys like a Tyler Ulis who played a couple of years for the Phoenix Suns, right. um, they, they, they get chances, and they got to run yeah. with their chances. But, uh, but the, he'll, he'll and get he a he can shot.
3: make a lot of money overseas, for sure. There's a lot of money to be made in uh, international ball. Um. Anyways, I've taken up a lot of your time. Casey Jacobson, Fox Sports, great stuff on college basketball all season and continued success, my man.
5: Jason, you too.
4: It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com.
5: Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
2: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio, Season 9. Love at first